Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Well, if you're just joining us uh, today, this is a final week in our series called No Fool, and we've been looking at the book of Proverbs, and we've been trying to discover how to chase down wisdom and how to leave folly uh, far behind. And uh, we're, we're looking at the fools of Proverbs. So throughout the book of Proverbs, there are these characters uh, that appear time and time again. And so what we've been doing is kind of putting together these composite sketches of these individuals that are there, uh, because we know that we can learn wisdom from their folly. We know that a wise person will, will learn from their own mistakes, but an even wiser person can learn from the mistakes of others. And of course, you've probably picked up from the video that today, the character we're going to be looking at in the book of Proverbs is the simple. And uh, just as an, as an aside, I was originally going to call this series Dumb and Dumber, uh, but, <laughs> but I did talk myself out of it. I just thought, uh, yeah, that'd be hard to get across. Anyway, um, you know, according to the book of Proverbs, there are, different, there are different types of fools, but there are also different degrees of fools. So two weeks ago, we looked at the character who was known as the scoffer. And the scoffer is the worst kind of fool. The scoffer is loud and defiant. Uh, the, the scoffer is the type of person that is a disruptor. They like to go in and stir the pot and create all sorts of noise, cause all kinds of problems. And the scoffer is like the end of the spectrum, the worst kind of fool. As a matter of fact, some would call him the king of fools. But somewhere in the middle, we have what's called our everyday fool. And this encompasses a lot of different types of fools. Some of the ones that we've covered, like, uh, like the sluggard and like the drunkard and, and like the glutton. And it's your basic everyday fool. And the everyday fool is a person who's kind of rejected the path of wisdom. And it's a person who has uh, no fear of God in their lives. They choose not to align their life with God's moral order or his good purposes. So that's the everyday fool. That's kind of the average fool. Well, today we're going to look at the simple fool. And the simple fool is at the very beginning of the spectrum. In other words, the, the simple fool is not quite a fool yet, but the simple fool has the potential of becoming a full-fledged fool, uh, one day growing up to become uh, that person. So uh, that's what we're going to be looking at today. Now, I, I rack my brain trying to think of who is somebody who best personifies the simple fool. Obviously, Dumb and Dumber is a great example. Um, but I had to think of somebody, okay, who is somebody who's pretty well-known, kind of a cultural icon that a lot of people know. And the best person I can come up with is none other than Derek Zoolander. Now, this is if you've never seen uh, Zoolander before, this is not an endorsement of Zoolander. Okay, I'm not saying go home and watch it with your family. Uh, but Derek Zoolander is basically a male fashion supermodel. He's nearing the end of his career. He's kind of washed up. And then he gets brainwashed and he has to go and kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia. But Derek Zoolander, if there's anything you can say about Derek Zoolander, is that he is clueless, like, and almost endearingly so, okay? And as you go through the movie, he makes these outrageous statements that in, in many ways are unforgettable, but are also very quotable, okay? So uh, let me give you a couple of examples. Here's one, uh, Derek Zoolander. He says, I'm pretty sure there's a lot more to life than being really, really ridiculously good looking, and I plan on finding out what that is. Here's another one. Uh, just because we have chiseled abs and stunning features doesn't mean that we still can't not die in a freak gasoline fight accident. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, okay, 
It's not as funny as if you've seen it. And I'm sure there's some of you who've seen it, and you're sitting on the edge of your seat just waiting to do another quote. Oh, the files are in the computer, right? What is this, a hotel for ants? Okay. Well, today, today I want to introduce you to the Zoolander of Proverbs. And here's the thing. Everybody loves Derek Zoolander, but nobody wants to be Derek Zoolander, right? So we're going we're gonna to walk through Proverbs and do a close inspection of the simple fool. And we're going to do it like we've done in the last number of weeks. First of all, we're going to look at a portrait of the simple fool. Then we're going to kind of examine what's the problem with being a simple fool. And then in the end, we're going to talk about, well, how do we part ways from being a simple fool? So let's dive right in. Let's start with the portrait. Um, if you've got bulletin notes, you can follow along there and, and, and track those. But uh, I'd like to highlight three descriptions from Proverbs. Uh, so here's the first one. The, the simple fool is someone who naively believes everything. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs says, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. So the thing about the simple fool is he, he's gullible, he's naive, he's easily, easily deceived, and he's also very trusting. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, tr trust is important. Trust is actually essential to all relationships. If you don't have trust in your relationships, your relationships are going south in a hurry. So trust is important, and, and it's good to believe you know, the best for other people. Uh, but the simple is more than just a very trusting person. The verse says that he doesn't give thought to his steps. One commentator described this as thoughtless laziness or lazy thoughtlessness. And the image is perhaps somebody who maybe goes on a two-week camping trip and only maybe brings one pair of underwear. So, in other words, the simple doesn't think things through. He doesn't discern. He doesn't reason. He's got an open mind, but there is an old saying that says, be open-minded but not so open-minded that you let in the flies. And the simple-minded is the kind of person who lets in the flies. He'll believe everything. But here's the second observation. It says that he learns the hard way. Proverbs 21, verse 11. When a scoffer is punished, the simple becomes wise. When a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. So what's it saying is that sometimes it takes hard lessons, really hard lessons, before the simple will actually learn. It's almost like they need an in-your-face, brutally painful object lesson. And, and sometimes, sometimes this lesson comes from watching other people, right? Like I said before, if you're a younger sibling, right, you learn a lot by watching how your older siblings get punished, right? You're thinking, I don't need that aggravation. You know, I don't want that to happen to me. I'm going to be good, right? But sometimes those lessons for the simple also means making mistakes the hard way, their own mistakes, Listen, in my life, I have, I have learned a lot of things the hard way. I've made a lot of mistakes the hard way. And I think a lot of you can agree with that for yourself. Like, don't punch your brother in the face when he outweighs you by 50 pounds and is five years older than you. That's just a bad idea, right? Don't wear your bathrobe to school on the last day just because you think it's cool and you think everybody else will think it's cool. They didn't think it was cool, Okay. Simple people sometimes need hard lessons in life. But a wise person, on the other hand, will learn from instruction. See, there are two primary ways that we learn life lessons. Number one is education. The other one is through experience. And a lot of people will say that experience is the best teacher. You've maybe heard that before. Well, here's the thing. is Sometimes experience can be a hard teacher, a brutal teacher. 
But education, on the other hand, is experience compacted. What do I mean by that? Well, with the education, you can take the experience of thousands of other people and what they've learned through personal anecdote or through studies, and you can put it in a condensed, teachable form, and you can learn from that. This way, through education or instruction, you don't have to learn the hard way through your own experiences. I mean, can you imagine learning how to use dynamite through personal experience? Or can you imagine how to avoid salmonella poisoning through personal experience, right? Education, in many ways, can trump personal experience. And the simple sometimes learns things the hard way because he refused to listen to instruction. Here's the third thing about the simple, because he can't predict outcomes. He can't predict outcomes. So the, the, the simple often fails to anticipate the outcomes of her actions. Here's what Proverbs says. Verse, chapter 22, verse 3, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. So the thing about the simple is, is they have no dis discerning foresight. They can't really see the consequences of her actions. She doesn't have a nice life experience. She doesn't have that street sense that comes with, with, with living longer. She's not thinking about what's going to happen, you know, if I post this picture online or how people will feel if I make this comment. She's not thinking or predicting what will happen if she goes out for coffee with a guy who's not her boyfriend, right? She's just not thinking about these sorts of things. But the wise person is somebody who sees it coming a mile away. So when he's driving down the road and he sees the funnel cloud on the horizon, he turns around his car and he goes home, right? But the simple person is that guy who usually gets killed first in Jurassic Park. You know that guy I'm talking about? He just doesn't see it coming. And then boom, he's gone. He's out of the picture. And it's because he cannot predict outcomes. Now, it reminds me of a time when my brother tried to play a trick on me. Um, I was a young lad and uh, the youngest of family of seven. And I was often the, the you know, receiver of all of their jokes. So my brother came in and he said, Robbie, Robbie, come here. I want to show you this. And I said, oh, what is it? He says, you see this white rock? And he had in his hand a white rock. He says, you know what? I can make this white rock go through my head and come out the other side. He says, you see, in your ear, there's this tunnel that goes from one ear to the other. He says, and you take the white rock and you pop it in your ear and you just pat it on the side like this. And eventually, it'll come out on the other hand, right? So he did that. He put the rock supposedly in his ear tapped his head, went on the other side, and opened up his hand, and behold, there in his other hand was a white rock. And I thought, that's pretty cool. But I knew my brother enough not to believe him, right? Because I've been duped so many times beside him, by, by, by him. And, and besides, I, I, I'd stuffed enough things in my ears to know that uh, there was no tunnel going from here to here. But I thought, that's a pretty cool trick. So the next day, I go to school, and I call over my friend Robert, and I grab a couple of white rocks. And I say, Robert, I've got this cool trick that I want to show you. And I, and I did it exactly like my brother. You know, put the rock here, drop the rock, tap the side of the head, out comes the rock. And I showed it to Robert, and he's like, that is amazing. That's so cool. I said, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Okay, uh, went on with our day. Well, the next day, I waited for Robert at the corner of the schoolyard, where I normally wait for Robert in the morning as we're getting ready for school. And Robert didn't show up. And I thought to myself, Oh, maybe he's sick, or maybe his mom had to take him somewhere. I didn't think much of it, and I went on with my day. The next day came along, I went to the corner of the schoolyard again, and I wait for Robert, and he shows up. But he walks right past me. And so I catch up to Robert. I says, hey, Robert, how you doing? What's going on? I missed you yesterday. Were you sick and whatnot? And he turns to me, and he's, his face is like furious, but he's got, his eyes are brimming with tears. He says, where was I? 
Yesterday, I went, I went to the hospital. He said, I, I, I did that trick that you told me. I took a rock and I put it in my ear, but then I couldn't get it out. He says, well, my mom had to take me to the hospital. He got these tweezers and he had to put it in my ear and he had to pull the rock out. He says, there's no tunnel. There's no tunnel from one ear to the other. He says, I don't like you anymore. I don't want to be your friend. I'm not going to play with you anymore. So what have we learned from this? Well, Robert was naive. Robert was not able to predict the outcome of his actions. And Robert had to learn the hard way. Robert was a simple boy. And I was a monster. <laughs> so what's the problem with being the simple fool? Is there a problem with it? I mean, after all, we've heard, isn't ignorance bliss, right? What's wrong with being a little bit of a Derek Zoolander? Well, Proverbs identifies a couple of problems. And the first is that eventually the simple become fools. The thing about the simple is they don't remain simple. They eventually grow up and become full-fledged fools. Proverbs 14, verse 18. It says, The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. You know, the thing about an inheritance is that it's inevitable. In Israel in that time, if you were given an inheritance, then you received that inheritance. It came whether you planned for it or not. You just got it. And in the same way, what it's saying is that the simple essentially just slide into folly eventually. It is the reward of simplicity. And without some sort of intervention, the simple eventually graduates to become foolish. And that leads to the second problem. And the second problem is, is that they reap destruction. So inevitably, on their way to becoming fools, the simple will experience the same outcome of the fool. You know, the first chapter of Proverbs, it's, it's, it's this plea to the simple and to the fool and to the scoffer alike to come and to get wisdom, to get it, to do whatever you can to grab hold of it. Because if you don't, there is a cost to not receiving wisdom. And at the end of chapter 1 of Proverbs, here's what it says. It says, for the simple, get that, the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me, this is wisdom, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Disaster is the natural consequence of choosing folly over wisdom. And what is folly? Well, folly is essentially turning your back on God's good purposes and plans for people. It's, it's choosing not to align yourself with God's moral order in the universe. That's how Proverbs describes it. So when you walk away from all of that, there will be natural consequences in your life. The thing about folly is it destroys lives. It, it blows up relationships. It shipwrecks marriages. It kills character. It ruins reputations. Uh, folly is a dream killer. That's what folly is. And we actually find a great example of this in Proverbs chapter 7. I'm going to pause and take a drink because I have a sore throat. Thank you for that. So in Proverbs chapter 7, the, the, the writer is, is warning a young man about the dangers of this seductive woman. And, and he's trying to tell this young man, you know, the way you've got to avoid her is, is through wisdom. Wisdom can actually protect you from this seductive woman in your life. So he tells him a story. And I want to walk through the story in Proverbs chapter 7 this morning just to give you an example of the simple. Here's what it says. It says, For at the window of my house 
I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. So he's looking out the window, and he's observing the simple young man. And the thing about this guy is he's not paying attention to where he's going. He's just wandering about thoughtlessly. His, his mind is on, unguarded. He's heading down the wrong street at the wrong time. He's just kind of, kind of just meandering towards temptation. Let's continue reading. Here's what it says. And behold, the young woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wildly of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and every corner she lies in wait. So, so it doesn't take very long, and he just kind of finds his way into temptation. And here we're introduced to the seductress, the wayward woman. She's dressed to kill. She's, she's dressed for sex sass, okay? And she's ready to pounce. Let's continue. So she seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face, she says to him, I, I had to offer sacrifices today, and I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I spread my couch with, offering, with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. Now, here we have a, we have a great temptation. I mean, this is, this is how you seduce the simple 101. I mean, notice what she does. I mean, first thing, she takes him by surprise because he's not paying attention to where he's going. So, so what does she do? She just stuns him, kisses him right outright. And then she flatters his ego. She says, I've come out to meet you and nobody else. And then she paints a picture in his mind's eye. This is my bedroom. This is what it looks like. And then she minimizes the consequences of what they're going to do. My husband is not at home. In other words... If we don't get caught, it's not a sin. And then finally, and most importantly, she twists the truth. What does she say? She says, I have spent everything. I've spent all my money on this offering to God, and now I'm broke, and I need money. So if you hire me as a prostitute, you're actually helping with a worthy cause. And not just any cause, a religious cause. The best kind of cause. So that makes it okay. So she's seducing him, the simple young man. And then what happens to the simple young man? Well, it says, with much seductive speech, she persuades him. And with her smooth talk, she compels him. And all at once he follows her, as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. So what happens is he... He falls for it. I mean, and he falls hard. And, you know, the poetic language here is just astounding. He's led. He's trapped. He's snared. He's a goner. And here's the verdict. Here's what it says. And now, O sons, listen to me. And be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim she has laid low. And all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol going down to the chambers of death. Again, brilliant poetic language here. But the outcome, it's saying, the outcome of folly is death. And death here is not necessarily meaning physical death, although it could mean that. 
But more than that, it's a, it's a metaphor for all of the fallout that happens when you choose foolishness over wisdom. And in this situation, imagine what could happen. The husband finds out, seeks his revenge. Word gets around, reputations are destroyed. There's an unwanted pregnancy. Not to mention the weight of guilt and shame or even the potential for a, for a long-term sexual uh, addiction. So many consequences, natural consequences, arising just as a result of this one dumb choice. So for the simple, there is, there is a cost that's waiting far, not far off into the future as they make their way towards becoming a full-fledged fool. So, how do we part ways from the simple? Again, with some, without some sort of intervention, something that's stopping, that's jumping into the way, the simple inevitably inherit folly. So how do you do that? I mean, how do you make an intervention? How does one chase down wisdom, and how does one embrace folly? And you might be here today, and you might be saying, well, I'm not really the simple. I'm maybe a little bit more like a fool and less like a simple person, okay? Well, guess what? These principles actually matter uh, to you as well. They can be applied in your situation as well as mine, who is a sometimes fool. So Proverbs gives us three practices. Here's the first one. Number one, be teachable. To become wise, you actually need to learn wisdom. Proverbs 8, 5, oh, simple ones, learn prudence. Oh, fools, learn sense. And here's the thing, because we are broken human beings, because of the fall and because of Genesis chapter 3 and, the, and Adam and, and humanity walking away and rebelling to God, the, the response of the fall is that we do not come by wisdom naturally. If you want wisdom, you actually have to be willing to be shaped by it. You actually have to go after it and pursue it. And according to Proverbs, here's what it says. It says that fools reject knowledge and fools despise wisdom. So here's the thing. If you are resistant to learning or being challenged, you will have great difficulty becoming wise. What you need is, is what's called a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit is a, it's a, it's a posture of your heart. Okay, a posture that acknowledges, hey, you know what, I have limitations. I don't know everything. As a matter of fact, I can't know everything. Uh, I sometimes see things incorrectly. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm blind. I need to know and I need to grow. And that's what a teachable spirit, uh, spirit says. It says, I still have much to know. I still have far to grow. And of course, you know, one of the ways to get wisdom is, in fact, to read Proverbs. That's what the first nine chapters of Proverbs are telling you to do. Get wisdom. Well, how do you do it? Read this book, eat this book, apply this book, live this book. And, and what's amazing is so many of you for the, have taken up the challenge. You know, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. And we said, you know, over the next 31 days, let's read Proverbs. Tomorrow is the end of that journey. Tomorrow we arrive at Proverbs chapter 7. When we started this thing, we started at Proverbs chapter 8. So we have come full circle all the way through. And a number of you have done it and you've been doing it and well done. But you don't get any gold stars. However, however, you do get wisdom. And that's the benefit of it. So being teachable, pursuing wisdom, and you'll gain wisdom and grow in wisdom. And let me just say, I mean, if you started reading Proverbs and you made yourself full circle, keep going. Keep reading Proverbs. It's one of those books that you can just keep reading again and again and again. Uh, because if you're anything like me, I mean, you need to hear a lesson once or twice before it finally sticks. So continue pursuing Proverbs and reading it. So that's the first thing is be teachable. But the second is this. The second is to be thoughtful be thoughtful. If you want to grow in wisdom, slow down and think it through. Don't practice lazy thoughtlessness. Let's go back to that verse in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15. It says, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. 
You know, lazy thinking, I think, in many ways, is a byproduct of the times in which we live. You know, everyone's busy. Everybody's schedule is jammed, right? We suffer from hurry sickness. We're, we're hasty little hobbits, okay? So the result is that we often make hasty decisions, and the result is we often make hasty judgments because we have to. But on top of that is with what little time we have, we're immensely distracted. So we limit our thinking to memes and posts and tweets, and, and we don't really take the time to just sit down and think in silence. We don't check our sources. We follow our feelings. We jump on the bandwagon of ideologues. But we don't take the time to actually just sit and ponder and think. And all the while, wisdom cries out to us. And it says, slow down. Reason. Pay attention. Consider your steps. Just, just think this through. Think about the consequences of your actions. If you choose to this, do this, what's that going to do to you? What's that going to do to other people? Who are you becoming today? The wise person, it says, gives thought to his steps. He carefully considers the consequences of his decisions. How might you become a more thoughtful person? Now, what's one small change you could do in your life today that would just help you become a more thoughtful person? Well, here's the final thing. <clears throat> the final thing is to be in good company. Be in good company. If you want to grow wise, hang out with people who are wise. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Uh, it brings to mind the sage words of none other than Rocky Balboa in, in Rocky 1. Rocky's giving advice to 12-year-old Marie, this girl who's hanging out with a gang of boys on the street corner those he refers to as the coconuts on the corner. And here's what Rocky says to Marie. He says, you know, you hang out with good, nice people, you get nice friends. You understand? You, you hang out with smart people, you get smart friends. You hang out with yo-yos, you get yo-yo friends. You see? Simple mathematics, okay? Rocky got it right. But I think the Apostle Paul said it best. He said, bad company corrupts good character. The companion of fools suffers harm. And if you want to predict how a person is likely going to turn out in the next five years, just look at their friends. Look at the people they're closest to. Can I just take a moment? I'm going to speak to the younger members of our, of our Crosspoint family. Young adults, emerging adults, and, and maybe a little bit ahead of that. Can I say something to you this morning? Is if you want to gain wisdom, I just want to give you a little bit of advice. Spend some time with those who've lived a few more years. Now, just because you're old doesn't make you wise, okay? Because there is a term that's called old fool, right? And we've heard that before, okay? So there are a lot of foolish old people, okay? But wisdom often takes time to accumulate. That's the thing about wisdom. And it accumulates through education and it accumulates through experience when those things are applied and lived out. That's how wisdom grows. And it actually takes time. So there is always a good chance that the younger can learn from the older. And, and let me just say this. I, I, I think a potentially dangerous church is a church that, is, that only consists of young adults. I really do. I think it's a dangerous thing. Um, and the reason why is sometimes you find yourself just swimming in a pool of inexperience. Now, I can say that because I'm not quite old, but I'm not quite young. So I'm somewhere in the Great Divide. So, you know, you can send me emails later. But... The older I get, the more I become an advocate for intergenerational relationships. 
where life, is ex- life experience is shared from generation to generation. And let me just speak to you from my own personal experience. When I was a young man uh, in my early 20s, I was just a new follower of Jesus, and I became this youth pastor in this church. I don't know why, but they let me become a youth pastor, and I'd been a follower of Jesus for two years. And uh, one of the things I did right away in that, um, in that time was to join what was called the Monday morning prayer meeting. So the greatest source of wisdom in my life didn't actually come to me from my theological studies, even though I was immersed in theological studies at the time. The greatest source of wisdom to me came from that Monday morning prayer meeting. So every Monday morning at 7 a.m., a group of men would gather together uh, at the church building, and uh, they would have a half-hour time of prayer together, and then they'd walk across the street to the local restaurant, and they'd have coffee and toast. And I was in this meeting for five years with these this, this group of men. All of the men in the group were in their 40s, their 50s, and their 60s. I was 20 years old, and I was the only young adult who was in that group for five years. Um, when we went out for coffee, I, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot to say. They were talking uh, about things that were just very new to me and that I didn't fully understand. So I basically sat in the corner that whole time chewing toast for five years. But I tell you, I was a fly on the wall of wisdom. I learned things about life, about politics, about farming, about family, about friendship. And if you read Proverbs, this is the stuff of Proverbs. I learned things from them that I know I would never have learned just from my own group of peers. And to this day, I still remember the names of those purveyors of wisdom. Ron, Gary, Alan, Ken, Walter, Doug, They were all the regulars, and they don't know it. And some of them have passed on to go be with Jesus. But they were investors in my life, and they played a transformative role in helping me become who I am today. Here's what I learned. If you stay in the shallow end, you'll never learn to swim. You have to venture into the deep end of wisdom, where you're going to get challenged, where you're going to get sharpened, And if you want an intervention in your simplicity, you need to be in good company. If you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. I want to say this to us, Crosspoint, both to all of our generations. You need to spend time together. And I don't know how that's going to happen. Maybe it's just by exercising and practicing hospitality. Maybe it's by getting together at events and, and actually talking to people who don't look like you, which we ask you to do every single Sunday. Find somebody who doesn't look like you and meet them. But I really think that if we're going to walk together in wisdom, we have to do it across generations. We are a multi-generational church, and I think that that's a beautiful thing. And so let's walk with the wise together. And you know what? The thing is, we can learn things from the other generation, too. If you don't know how to use your iPhone, I'm sure there's somebody here who would be happy to help you do that. As disciples... As disciples, we know that the wisest person we can walk with is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the source of all wisdom. I mean, think about his life here on earth. His life here on earth was marked with wisdom. I mean, when he was just a young boy, okay, he confounded or, or he impressed the, the wise leaders and teachers in, in, in Jerusalem. I mean, they said, well, this is somebody who has wisdom beyond his years. Uh, he, 
he, when he began his ministry, people recognized him as a wise teacher. They said things like, you know, nobody ever taught like this and, and with such authority. Okay, so he also taught in parables, which were the tools of a wisdom teacher. So Jesus, while he was here on earth, was marked with wisdom. He was a wisdom teacher. But Jesus was more than simply a wise man. The apostle Paul will actually say that Jesus, the glorified Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior, is actually the incarnation of wisdom itself. Here's what it says in uh, Colossians 2.3. Paul's talking with Jesus. He says, In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then he says this in 1 Corinthians 1.30. He says, Because of him, because of God, you are in who? Christ Jesus, who became to us what? Wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And so when you receive Christ into your life, and when you choose to walk with him in glad surrender, he imparts to you life-transforming wisdom. And I wonder this morning, have you received Christ? Have you received his gift of life? Have you said, Jesus, I want to walk with you all the days of my life. And I want to learn from you. I want to grow with you. And, and maybe you're here today and you, have, you know firsthand the destructive power of folly. You've experienced its ruin, its shame, its disaster. Did you know today that Jesus is in the business of restoring lives? You know, I think many people in the room today can attest to the life-transforming power of Jesus at work in their lives over the years. And I think millions of people across the planet and throughout generations can attest to this same truth. If you come to Christ, if you surrender your life to Christ, he can begin a transformative work in your life, and he can be wisdom for you and through you. Jesus is a source of wisdom, if you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. So let me end by just saying this and to, to just quote the appeal from Proverbs from week one. Get wisdom. Get knowledge. Though it costs everything you have, get understanding. Go after it. Chase after it. Walk with the wise. Walk with Christ. Let's pray together. I invite the band to come. Our Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you didn't want to leave us in our meandering. You didn't want to leave us in ruin. You love us so much you sent your son Jesus into the world. Thank you for that gift. And we just come to you afresh today and we just say, God, we're limited. We don't know everything, but we're teachable. And God, we want to be thoughtful as followers of you. So would you be wisdom for us? Would you give us wisdom? And would you show us how to walk in wisdom? We surrender our lives to you today in glad delight. And we worship you with thanksgiving. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? 
you could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.